Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. Songs of the Writings by F. W. Mormon. Contents. Preface. A Dalesman's Litany. Cambodunum. Telling the Bees. The Two Lamplighters. Arbeck. Lord George. Jenny Storm. The New Englishman. The Bells of Kirkby Overblow. The Gardener and the Robin. Lyle Dode. His Last Sail. One Year Older. The Hungry Forties. The Flowers of Knaresborough Forest. The Miller by the Shore. The Bride's Homecoming. The Artist. Mara Tabani. Mary Mecca. The Local Preacher. The Courting Gate. Field Fairs. A Song of the Yorkshire Dales. The Flower of Wensleydale. Preface. About two years ago I published a collection of Yorkshire dialect poems, chosen from many authors and extending over a period of 250 years. The volume was well received, and there are abundant signs that the interest in dialect literature is steadily growing in all parts of the county and beyond its borders. What is most encouraging is to find that the book has found an entrance into the homes of Yorkshire peasants and artisans where the works of our great national poets are unknown. I now essay the more venturesome task of publishing dialect verses of my own. Most of the poems contained in this little volume have appeared, anonymously, in the Yorkshire Press, and I have now decided to reissue them in book form and with my name on the title page. A generation ago the minor poet was, in the eyes of most Englishmen, an object of ridicule. Dickens and Thackeray had done their worst with him, we knew him, or her, as Augustus Snodgrass or Blanche Amory, an amiable fool or an unamiable minx. The twentieth century has already, in its short course, done much to remove this prejudice, and the minor poet is no longer expected to be apologetic. His circle of readers, though small, is sympathetic, and the outside public is learning to tolerate him and to recognize that it is as natural and wholesome for him to write and publish his verses as it is for the minor painter to depict and exhibit in public his interpretation of the beauty and power which he sees in human life and in nature. All this is clear gain, and the time may not be far distant when England will again become what it was in Elizabethan days a nest of singing birds, where T minor poets will be able to take their share in the chorus of song, leaving the chief parts in the oratorio to the Shakespeare's and Spencer's of tomorrow. The twenty-five poems of which this volume consists are meant to serve a double purpose. Most of them are character sketches or dramatic studies, and my wish is to bring before the notice of my readers the habits of mind of certain Yorkshire men and women whose acquaintance I have made. For ten years I have gone uphill and down dale in the three writings, intent on the study of the sounds, words and idioms of the local folk speech. At first my object was purely philological, but soon I came to realize that men and women were more interesting than words and phrases, and my attention was attracted from dialect speech to dialect speakers. Among Yorkshire farmers, farm laborers, fishermen, miners and mill workers I discovered a vitality and an outlook upon life of which I, a bourgeois professor, had no previous knowledge. Not, only had I never met such men before, but I had not read about them in literature or seen their portraits painted on canvas. The wish to give a literary interpretation of the world into which I had been privileged to enter grew every day more insistent, 
and this volume is the fulfillment of that wish. Of all forms of literature, whether in verse or prose, the dramatic monologue seemed to me the optimus for the exposition of character and habits of mind. It is the creation, or recreation, of Robert Browning, the most illuminating interpreter of the workings of the human mind that England has produced since Shakespeare died. My first endeavor was therefore. I have been, I fear, a clumsy botcher in applying the lessons that Browning was able to teach, but the dramatic monologues of which this volume is largely composed of whatever art they may possess to his example. My dramatic studies are drawn from life. For example, the local preacher who expresses his views on the rival merits of church and chapel is a Warfordale acquaintance, and the farmer in Cambodunum who declares that Edication's now but muckment, actually expressed this view to a chief inspector of schools, a member of the West Riding Education Committee, and myself, when we visited him on his farm. I do not claim that I have furnished literal transcripts of what I heard in my conversations with my heroes and heroines, but my purpose throughout has been to hold a mirror up to nature, to give a faithful interpretation of thought and character, and to show my readers some of the ply of mind and habits of life that still prevail among Yorkshire men whose individuality has not been blunted by convention and who have the courage to express their reasoned or instinctive views of life and society. But the interpretation of the minds of Yorkshire peasants and artisans for the benefit of the so-called general reader is only the secondary object which I have in view. My primary appeal is not to those who have the full chorus of English song, from Chaucer to Macefield, at their beck and call, but to a still larger class of men and women who are not general readers of literature at all, and for whom most English poetry is a closed book. In my dialect wanderings through Yorkshire I discovered that while there was a hunger for poetry in the hearts of the people, the great masterpieces of our national song made little or no appeal to them. They were bidden to a feast of rarest quality and profusion, but it consisted of food that they could not assimilate. Spencer, Milton, Pope, Keats, Tennyson, all spoke to them in a language which they could not understand, and presented to them a world of thought and life in which they had no inheritance. But the Yorkshire dialect verse which circulated through the Dales and Chapbook, or Christmas Almanac, was welcomed everywhere. Two memories come before my mind as I write. One is that of a north-riding farm laborer who knew by heart many of the dialect poems of the Eskdale poet, John Castillo, and was in the habit of reciting them to himself as he followed the plow. The other is that of a blind girl in a west-riding village who had committed to memory scores of the poems of John Hartley, and gathering her neighbors round her kitchen fire of a winter evening, regaled them with bite bigger, Nellie O'Bobs and other verses of the Halifax poet. My object is to add something to this chorus of local song. It was the aim of Addison in his spectator essays to bring philosophy out of closets and libraries, schools and colleges, to dwell in clubs and assemblies, at tea tables and in coffee houses. And in like manner, it should be the aim of the writer of dialect verse to bring poetry out of the coteries of the people of leisure and to make it dwell in artisans' tenements and in cottagers' kitchens. Poetry, declared Shelley is the record of the best and happiest moments of the happiest and best minds, and it is time that the working men and women of England were made partakers in this inheritance of wealth and joy. It may be argued that it should be the aim of our schools and universities to educate the working classes to appreciate what is best in standard English poetry. I do not deny that much may be done in this way, 
but let us not forget that something more will be needed than a course of instruction in poetic diction and metrical rhythm. Our great poets depict a world which is only to a very small extent that of the working man. It is a world of courts and drawing rooms and general headquarters, a world of clubs and academies. The working man or woman finds a place in this charmed world only if his occupation is that of a shepherd, and even then he must be a shepherd of the golden age and answer to the name of Corydon. Poets, we are solemnly assured by Pope, must not describe shepherds as they really are, but as they may be conceived to have been when the best of men followed the employment of shepherd. Class consciousness, a word often on the lips of our democratic leaders of today has held far too much sway over the minds of poets, from the Elizabethan age onwards. Spencer writes his fairy queen, To fashion a gentleman or noble person in virtuous and gentle discipline. And Milton's audience, fit but few, is composed of scholars whose ears have been attuned to the harmonies of epic verse from their first lisping of Virgilian hexameters, or of latter-day Puritans, like John Bright, who over here in paradise lost the echoes of a faith that once was stalwart. But what, it may be asked, of Crabbe, and what of Wordsworth? The former by his own confession paints. But as we listen to his verse tales we can never forget that it is the Rev. George Crabbe who is instructing us, or that his pedestal is the topmost story of his three-decker pulpit at Aldborough. Wordsworth's sympathy with the lives of the Cumberland peasantry is profound, and the time is surely not distant when such a poem as Michael will win a place in the hearts of working men but it is to be feared that in his own generation, Mr. Woodsworth, served rather, as a warning than an encouragement to his peasant neighbors. Many's the time, an old Cumberland innkeeper told Canon Rounsley, I've seed him a talking his family out in a string, and neither gin the dearest bit of notice to M, standin' by his cell and stoppin' behind a gappin', why his jaws work in the wool time, but neither no crackin' why M, nor no pleasure in M, a desolate-minded man, E.K.N.A. It was pottery as did it. Our English non-dramatic poetry from the Renaissance onwards is second to none in richness of thought and beauty of diction, but it lacks the highest quality of all, universality of interest and appeal. Our poets have turned a cold shoulder to the activities and aims of the working man, and the working man has, in consequence, turned a cold shoulder to the great English classic poets. The loss on either side has been great though it is only now beginning to be realized. A literature which leaves large areas of the national activity and aspiration unexpressed is in danger of becoming narrow, esoteric, unhealthy. Areas of activity and aspiration unlit by the cleansing sun of art, untended by the loving consideration of the poet, will be dungeons for the national spirit, mildewed cellars in which rats fight, misers hoard their gold, and Guy Fox lays his train to blow the superstructure sky-high. There was a time when poetry meant much more to the working men of England. In the later Middle Ages, above all in that fifteenth century which literary historians are fond of describing as the darkest period in English literature, the working man had won for himself what seemed a secure place in poetry. Narrative, lyric and dramatic poetry had all opened their portals to him, and made his life and aims their theme. Side by side with the courtly verse romances, which were read in the bowers of highborn ladies, were the terse and popular ballads, which were chanted by minstrels, wandering from town to town and from village to village. Among the heroes of these ballads we find that white yeoman, Robin Hood, who wages war against medieval capitalism, 
as embodied in the persons of the abbot landholders, and against the class legislation of Norman game laws which is enforced by the king's sheriff. The lyric poetry of the century is not the courtly troubadour song or the Petrarchian sonnet, but the folk song that sings from the heart to the heart of the beauty of Alisown. Seemliest of all things, or, in more convivial mood, accounts good ale of more worth than a table set with many dishes. Most remarkable of all is the history of the drama in the fourteenth and fifteenth centuries. The drama was clerical and not popular in its origin, and when, in course of time, it passed out of the hands of the clergy it is natural to suppose that it would find a new home at the king's court or the baron's castle. It did nothing of the kind. It passed from the church to the people, and it was the artisan craftsmen of the English towns, organized in their trade guilds, to whom we owe the great cycles of our miracle plays. The authors of these plays were restricted to Bible story for their themes, but the popular character of their work is everywhere apparent in the manner in which the material is handled and the characters conceived. The Noah of the Deluge plays is an English master joiner with a shrewish wife and three sons who are his apprentices. When the divine command to build an ark comes to him, he sets to work with an energy that drives away the weariness of five hundred winters, and, ligging on his line, measures his planks, clenches them with noble new nails, and takes a craftsman's delight in the finished work. In like manner, the shepherds of the nativity plays are conceived and fashioned by men who, fortunate in that they knew nothing of the seductions of Arcadian pastoralism, have studied at first hand the habits and thoughts of English fifteenth-century shepherds, and paint these to the life. Thus, at the close of the Middle Ages, narrative, lyric and dramatic poetry seemed firmly established among the people. Not unmindful of romance, it was grounded in realism and sought to interpret the life of the peasant and the artisan of fifteenth-century England. The Renaissance follows, and a profound change comes over poetry. The popular note grows fainter and fainter, till at last it becomes inaudible. Poetry leaves the farmyard and the craftsman's bench for the court. The folk song, fashioned into a thing of wondrous beauty by the creator of Amiens, Fest and Autolycus, is driven from the stage by Ben Jonson, and its place is taken by a lyric of classic extraction. The popular drama, ennobled and made shapely through contact with Latin drama, passes from the provincial marketplace to Bankside and the rude mechanicals of the trade guilds yield place to the Lord Chamberlain's players. In the dramas of Shakespeare the popular note is still audible, but only as an undertone, furnishing comic relief to the romantic amours of courtly lovers or the tragic fall of princes, with Beaumont and Fletcher, and still more with Dryden and the Restoration dramatists. The popular element in the drama passes away, and the triumph of the court is complete. The Elizabethan court could find no use for the popular ballad, but, like other forms of literature, it was attracted from the countryside to the city. Forgetful of the greenwood, it now battened on the garbage of Newgate, and Robin Hood and Guy of Giesburn yields place to the woeful lamentation of William Purchase, who for murdering his mother at Thaxted, was executed at Chelmsford. We are justly proud of the Renaissance and of the glories of our Elizabethan literature, but let us frankly own that in the annals of poetry there was loss as well as gain. The gain was for the courtier and the scholar, and for all those who, in the centuries that followed the Renaissance, have been able, by means of education, to enter into the courtier's and scholar's inheritance. The loss has been for the people. 
The opposition between courtly taste and popular taste is hard to analyze, but we have only to turn our eyes from England to Scotland, which lost its royal court in 1603, in order to appreciate the reality of the opposition. In Scotland the courtly poetry of the 15th and 16th centuries soon disappeared when James I exchanged Holyrood for Whitehall, but popular poetry continued to live and grow. The folk song gathered power and sweetness all through the 17th and 18th centuries, till it culminated at last in the lyric of Burns. Popular drama, never firmly rooted in Scotland, was stamped out by the Reformation, but the popular ballad outlived the medieval minstrel, was kept alive in the homes of lowland farmers and shepherds, and called into being the great ballad revival of the 19th century. It is idle to speculate what would have been the progress of poetry in England if the Renaissance had not come and the Elizabethan courtier had not enriched himself at the expense of the people. What we have to bear in mind is that all through the centuries that followed the Renaissance the working men and women of England looked almost in vain to their poets for a faithful interpretation of their life and aims. The wonder is that the instinct for poetry did not perish in their hearts for lack of sustenance. There are at the present time clear signs of a revival of popular poetry and popular drama. The verse tales of Macefield and Gibson, the lyrics of Patrick McGill, the peasant or artisan plays which have been produced at the Abbey Theatre, Dublin, and the Gaiety Theatre, Manchester, may well be the beginning of a great democratic literary movement. Democracy, in its striving after a richer and fuller life for the people of England, is at last turning its attention to literature and art. It is slowly realizing two great truths. The first is that literature may be used as a mighty weapon in the furtherance of political justice and social reform, and that the Pied Pipers of folk song have the power to rouse the nation and charm the ears of even the mother of parliaments. The second is that the working man needs something more to sustain him than bread and the franchise and a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. Democracy, having obtained for the working man a place in the government of the nation, is now asserting his claim to a place in the temples of poetry. The Arthurian knight, the Renaissance courtier, the scholar, and the wit must admit the twentieth-century artisan to their circle. Piers the plowman must once more become the hero of song, and Saul Cain, the poacher, must find a place, alongside of Tiresias and Merlin, among the seers and mystics. Let democracy look to William Morris, poet, artist, and social democrat, for inspiration and guidance and take to heart the message of prophecy which he has left us. If art, which is now sick, is to live and not die, it must in the future be of the people, for the people, by the people. In the creation of this poetry, of the people, by the people, dialect may well be called upon to play a part. Dialect is of the people, though in a varying degree in the different parts of the wide areas of the globe where the English language is spoken. It possesses, moreover, qualities, and is fraught with associations, which are of the utmost value to the poet and to which the standard speech can lay no claim. It may be that for some of the more elaborate kinds of poetry, such as the formal epic, dialect is useless. Let it be reserved, therefore, for those kinds which appeal most directly to the hearts of the people. The poetry of the people includes the ballad and the verse tale, lyric in all its forms, and some kinds of satire, and for all these dialect is a fitting instrument. It possesses in the highest degree directness of utterance and racy vigor. How much of their force would the Biglow Papers of J. R. Lowell lose if they were transcribed from the Yankee dialect into standard English? 
but the highest quality of dialect speech, and that which renders it preeminently fitted for poetic use, is its intimate association with all that lies nearest to the heart of the working man. It is the language of his hearth and home. Many of the most cherished memories of his life are bound up with it. It is for him the language of freedom, whereas standard English is that of constraint. In other words, dialect is the working man's poetic diction, a poetic diction as full of savor as that of the 18th century poets was flat and insipid. It is sometimes said that the use of dialect makes the appeal of poetry provincial instead of national or universal. This is only true when the dialect poet is a pedant and obscures his meaning by fantastic spellings. The lowland Scots element in Auld Lang Syne has not prevented it from becoming the song of friendship of the Anglo-Saxon race all the world over. Moreover, the provincial note in poetry or prose is far from being a bad thing. In the Idols of Theocritus it gave new life to Greek poetry in the 3rd century before Christ, and it may render the same high service to English poetry today or tomorrow. The rise of provincial schools of literature, interpreting local life and local idiom, in all parts of the British Isles and in the Britain beyond the seas, is a goal worth striving for. Such a literature, so far from impeding the progress of the literature in the standard tongue, would serve only to enrich it in spirit, substance, and form. A Dalesman's Litany From Hull, Halifax, and Hell, Good Lord Deliver Us A Yorkshire Proverb It's hard when folks can't find their work where they've been bred and born. When I were young I allest thought I'd buy mong tea roots and corn. But I've been forced to work I towns, so here's my litany, Frey Hull, and Halifax, and Hell, Good Lord, deliver me. When I were court in Marianne, tea out squire, he says one day, I've got no beeld for wedded falks. Choose, wilt ta wed or stay. I couldn't gie up tea lass I loved, to tea town we had to flee, Frey Hull, and Halifax, and Hell, Good Lord, deliver me. I've wrought I leads in Huthersville, and addled honest brass. I brat forth, Keithley, Rotherham, I've kept my barns and lass. I've traveled all three ridings round, and once I went to sea, fray forges, mills, and coal and boats, good lord, deliver me. I've walked at knee through Sheffield loans, to were same as be I hell, furnaces thrashed out tongues o' fire, and roared like tea wind on tea fell. I've sand up coals I barnsley pits, why muck up to my knee? Frey Sheffield, Barnsley, Rotherham, good lord, deliver me. I've seen grey fog creep our Leeds brig as thick as Bastille's soup. I've lived where Fawkes were stowed away like rabbits in a coop. I've watched snow float down Bradforth Beck as black as ebony. Frey Hunslet, Holbeck, Wibsey Slack, good lord, deliver me. But now, when all W.R. Childers flagged, to T. Coon try we've come back. There's Fanny Milo heather more twix us and tea culpit slack. And when I sit our tea fire at neat, I laugh and shout why glee, Frey Bradforth, Leeds, and Huthersfell, Frey Hull, and Halifax, and Hell, tea good lords delivered me. Cambodunum. Cambodunum, Cambodunum, how I love the sound o' tea name. Roman Saudiers belt a fort here, gave th out place its lost in fame. We've been lords o' Cambodunum for well nigh eight hundred year. Falks say our forelders bowed it of a Roman charioteer. I, I know we're not but farmers, mowing jurs and ten and kai, but we're proud of all we've stood for ion ages that's gone by, proud of all the slacks we've drained, and proud of all the walls we've built, proud to think we've bred our children on the ground we are Romans dwelt. 
Niver pert y cambadunum. That's what father used to say. If thou does, thou cum to ruin, beg thy bread through day to day. I'll known pert y cambadunum, though its roof lets in the rains, and its walls y age are tottering. Cambadunum's I my veins. Ivory stone about the building has been dressed by Roman hands, and red blood o' Roman Saudiers has been temmed out on its lands. Often, when at ploy springtime, I lead on their buried hoard, coins and pottery, combs and glasses. Once I fan a rusty sword. Wished. I'll tell thee what I saw here of a moonlit winter neat. Ghosts o' Romans I their war gear, wheeling slow why silent feet, pale their faces, proud their barren, and a strange glory I therein as they marched past and saluted, while th east wind blew snell and keen. Dale wards, dale wards, ever dale wards, th hill falk wander year by year, and they toss their heads and flout me, when they see me bidden here. I've one answer to their flirin. I'll known be a factory slave, breathe in poison I on workshops, dig in ivory day in my grave. You may addle brass I plenty, you'll known addle peace o' oh mind. That sow bite among us farmers on th out hills you've left behind. See that place down there it valley? We're yon chimney spit out smoke? Huthersfield is what they call it. We're falk live like pigs it poke. We're men grind their hearts to guineas, and their mills are all as thrang, tin in neat time into daytime, never stop in th whole year lang. Cambodunum up on th hilltops, Huthersfield down Ion Dale. One's a place for freeborn Britons, t'other's almost like a jail. Here we live it lead in sunshine, free as larks it sky abun. They're men too like motorwarps that grub up muck by t glent o t moon. See yon motor whizzin' past us, our th outbrig that spans our back. That's what Falk call modern progress, march o human intellect. Modern progress, modern ruin. March o intellect, march o fools. All that cooms o larning childer i their colleges and schools. Education. Sanitation. Teeming brass rate down a sink, education's nout but muckment, sanitation's just a stink. Children mun have books and pictures, bout at tea most expensive shops, telescopes to go stargazin', microscopes to look at lops. Farmers mun not put their midden straight afore their kitchen door, once a week they're set spring cleanin', fettlin' up their shippin' floor. Women falk have tamed to knackin', willin' spake their mother tongue, try to talk like chaps it palpit, chicken chisted. Wake it lung. Some falks say I'm too outfashioned. Mab, they are tellin' true. When you've lived why go so Romans, you've no call for out that's new. Will I know I sent when t victory, sons aging me, doubters, wife, yet I'll hold my ground bout flinchin', fate so long as I have life. And if t wick uns are aging me, I sell fate for them that's dead. Roman Saudiers I their trenches, lapped I mail through foot to head. Here I stand for Cambodunum. Eagles nest on Tepenine hills, wagin war why modern notions, carin out for forges, mills. Death alone sal call surrender, stealin on me why his hosts, and when death has won his battle, I'll go seek my Roman ghosts. Then I'll hear their shout o oh, welcome. Here cooms Bob o oh, Dick o oh, Joes, bred and born at Cambodunum, held th out fort aging his foes. Fout for ancient ways and customs, ne'er to fashion bent his knee, op in t ranks. Lads, let him enter. He's a Roman same as we. Telling the bees. On many Yorkshire farms it was, perhaps still is, the custom to tell the bees when a death had taken place in the family. The hive had to be put into mourning, and when the arval, or funeral feast, was held, 
after the return from the grave, small portions of everything eaten or drunk had to be given to the bees in a saucer. Failure to do this meant either the death or departure of the bees. Wished. Lotto bees, sad tidings I bear, bees, bees, murmuring low. Call by his grave ligs your maester dear, bees, bees, murmuring low. Any a mare he'll ride to tea send o tea horn. Any a mare he'll fettle his sickle for tea corn. Any a mare he'll coom to your skep of a morn, bees, bees, murmuring low. Muther sits crying i tea ingle nook, bees, bees, murmuring low. Parsons anent her white tea holy book, bees, bees, murmuring low. Tea mourners are coom, and tea arvel is spread, cakes fresh fray to yun, and fine have a bread. But tomb is tea seed at tea table head, bees, bees, murmuring low. Look, Connie bees, eyes win in black crepe, bees, bees, murmuring low. Slowly and sadly your skep I mun drape, bees, bees, murmuring low. Else you will sicken and dwine read away, heartbroken bees, now your maester is clay. Or, Meb, you will leave us white tea dawn o tea day, bees, bees, murmuring low. Sitha, I bring you your share o our feast, bees, bees, murmuring low. Cakes and yow and wine you mun taste, bees, bees, murmuring low. G.I.E. sum to tea queen on her golden throne, there's foison to feed both worker and drone. Oh, deep let us fend for ourselves alone, bees, bees, murmuring low. The two lamplighters. I never thought when I grew out I'd tack to leet in lamps. I said have said, I'd rather pad my hoof on tea road white tramps. But sin I gate that scalp I tea mine, I'm winkle I my head. So Gaffer said, I'd give our work and leet town lamps instead. At first, when our ligand snug I bed, warm as a bee, tea were hard to rise and get agate as soon as tea clock strike three. And I were flayed to hear my steps echoing on ivory wall, and flader yet when down by tea church hullets would screak and call. But now I'm flayed o' nout. I love all uncurred sounds o' tea neat. Fray childer talk and I their dreams to tea tramp o' peelisman feet. But most of all I love to hark to tea song o' tea birds at dawn. They whacken up afore it gloams, when tea do ligs thick on tea lawn. If I feel lonesome, up I look to tea sky abun my head, and there's yon stars all glestern breet, like daisies in a mead. But sometimes, when I'm glowering up, I see the Lord hissin. He's detain all yon lamps, o heaven that shines on mortal men. He lopes all ung fray star to star, as cobby as can be. Meb he reckons Fawkes asleep, why niver an I to see. But I hay catched him at his work, for all he maxed no din. He leaves a track o powdered gowd to show where he has been. He's got big lamps and lotto lamps, and lamps that twinkles red, and cap to see him doubt em all afore I'm back I bed. But he don't make about his work or stop to hark to tea birds, he minds his business, does the Lord, and wastes no gomless words. I grow more like him ivory day, for all I walk so lame, and, happen, there will come a time I'll beat him at his game. Thrang as Throp's wife, I'll doubt my lamps afore he's gotten so far, and then I'll shout. I've won my race, I bet him by a star. Arbeck. I never heard its name, we call it jest. Arbeck. Meb, there's bigger streams down Ripon Way, but if thou wants clean water by my neck, thou'll travel far for cleaner, ony day. Clear water? Why, when tea sun is up I tea sky, I've seen yon flicker and shadows o' lal trout gliding our tea shingly bottom. Step thou nigh, and glur at tea minnows darting in and out. Our beck flows straight fray slacks o' moorland peat, and gathers sweetness out o' tea lingen gorse, 
At first its voice sounds weakly soft and leet, but grows I strength while open our yon force. Then now said see the birds along its banks, gray herons that coom to fish at dawn, dippers, that under tea water play sea cape pranks, and langneb curlews, swamish as a fawn. Sometimes I've seen young otters leave their holes, and lake like kitlins hour the silver dew, and I've watched squirrels climbing up the bowls o' beech trees, lopin leet fray bay to bay. Fowers! Why, thou'd fill thy skep, lass, in an hour, why gallons, pagels, blobs, and sea like things, weave daffodils to deck a bridal bower, pansies, we are lady cows can dry their wings. Young children often bathe, when tea weather's fine, up yonder, we're tea-owed millers biggied his weir. I like to see their lish, knacked bodies shine, and watch em dive i tea water witted fear. I yance our brig, bent like an archer's bow, its tea meeting place o' folk fray near and far, young UNS coom the why lasses Logan low, owed UNS to talk o' politics and tea war. It's daft when chaps that sit i parliament wink tack advice fray lads that talk farm twain. If tea coon try goes to tea dogs, it's cause they've sent our mony city folk to mend what's rang. They've tain our daytail men to fate for tea land, then tell us we mun keep our staggers full. What's lasses, gauvies, graybeards, stark i tea hand, to strip w'r kai, and plil and two y tea shul? But there I'll nurse my threpen while it rains, and while my rheumatiz is bad to bide. I mun step himwards now, through tea yats and lanes, we're tea out lass waits for me by tea fireside. Lord George. These verses were written soon after the old age pensions bill came into operation. I'd walk Frey here to Skipton, ten mile old Clardy Lanes, if I might see him face to face and thank him for his pains. He's tain me out o' tea bastille, he's gi'n me life that's free, five shillin' a week for fugglin' death is what Lord George gives me. He gives me lead and firin, and flour to bock I teun. I've tea to mesh for ivory meal and sup all tea afternoon. I've now to do but thank him, and mac across y.t. pen, five shillin' a week for nob at that. Gow. He's the jewel o' men. I niver mel on politics, but I do love a lord. He spends his savings like a king, we are other folks l.l. hoard. I know a vast o' witties that's seen their seventieth year. Lord George, he addles brass for all, though lots on tea goes for beer. If my old man were livin', he'd say as I spack true. He couldn't throw them yellow rads but all us voted blue. And Parson's wife, she told me that we'll soon go to T-Pole. I hope she's right. I'll vote for George, why all my heart and soul. I don't know where he springs fray, happen it's down Leeds way, but ivory need and mournin' for his lang life I pray. He's tain me out o' tea bastille, he's gi'n me life that's free, five shillin' a week for fugglin' death is what Lord George gives me. Jenny Storm. Young Jenny, she walked our tea-ribbed sea-sand, tea-lyrock sing essay sweetly. Oh, we're she met a fisher lad, Ned I tea-hand, as tea-tide came home and in. Jenny, thy farm is twee mile away. Tea-wing mouse flits essay featly, oh, say, what is thou latin at dusk o day, when tea-tide cooms home and in? Eyes latin waith and strafe by the theme, oh. Esh and yak are good for beeld, eyes latin timber to big me a heme, as tea-tide cooms home and in. What for is thou latin waif and strafe? Tea summer gauze floats our hedge and field. What for is thou big in a heme and a hafe, when tea tide cooms home and in? To morn is tea day when I shall be wed, tea bridewains plenished why surge and silk, jocks anchored his boat i tea lang roadstead, 
and tea tied Coombs home and in. To morn we gone to tea Kirk on tea brow, Nash sat and shoon as white as milk, fisher folk why me, and pull lads now, when tea tied Coombs home and in. Fray thy jilted lad what gift mun thou get? Tea Lyrox sing essay sweetly, oh, twee lucky steens, or fine earrings o jet, when tea tied Coombs home and in. I'll tack nay the rings nor steens fray thee, tea wing mouse flits essay featly. Oh, but yon token I gave thee G.I.E. back to me, no tea tied coombs home and in. Thy token is safe I tea bottle nook, tea seem you plains when tea sun climbs dune, thou can find it thistle, if thou gone and look, when tea tied coombs home and in. Young Jenny, she tripped our tea yellow strand, white all its dance I tea glent o tea moon, her step was our lead to dimple tea sand, as tea tide came home and in. I tea bottle nook lay tea lad she said wed. T need hags screek essay dally, oh foul seaweed cluttered abun his head, and T mouth she had kissed why blood was red, as T tide came home and in. Any a tear she shed, any a word she spack, T witches glur essay foully, oh but an offish laugh flew our T sirac, as T tide came home and in. They carried them him by T leet o T moon, T need hags screek essay dally, oh him to his grave on T brow abun. Her to yon madhouse I scarbro tune, we're tea tied coombs home and in. The New Englishman I've lived all my life I keithly, I'm a Yorkshire artisan, and when I were just turned seventy I became an Englishman. Nat Rallis German. Nay, den it. I'm British born, same as thee. But I never thought Michigan to my country, while my country thought Michigan to me. I were proud o' my lodge and my union, and proud o' my town and my shire. But all T con sans o T nation, I left to T parson and T squire. Class war with T faith that I ived for, I called all capitalist sharks, and T workin' man has no country, were my gospel according to Marx. When I'd loosen my job back I T eighties, and were likened for well nigh two year, who said that an out o work fetler were costin' his country dear? Out England cared nowt about me, I could clem why my barns and my wife. She were our thrang why buildin' up tea empire to build up a brocken life. Ivory man for his sin, she said. And tea dealer can catch what he can. Labor's cheap and trade's worth more nor tea life of a workin' man. When tea country were chuff and boasted that tea sun niver set on her flags, I thought O.W.R. back-to-back houses, W.R. childa I spetches and rags. When tea country drave by her carriage, why flunkies afore and behind, I left her to better me bodies, and I gave her a taste o' my mind. But when she were ligging I tea gutter, why a millet wrist mob at her throat. Hands off her, I cried. Shoes my mother, and I doffed my cap and my coit. I jean our work at seventy, but I gat agate once more. I'll live for my country, not on her, were my words on Tifetla's floor. Shoes put in her trust I us workers, will save her, neither fear, fate for her, live for her, dee for her her childer that loves her dear. Eight o' oh my grandsons has fallen, my youngest lad's crippled I tea arm, but I'll give her choose what shoe axes, afore I'll see her tack harm. Tea war is a curse and a blessin', if folks could understand. It's brocken my home and my childer, but it's made me an Englishman. The bells of Kirkby overblow. Draw back my curtains, Mary, and open tea windy wide. Aye, I know I'm deen, while to morn I'll hardlands bide. But yet afore all's over, and I lay cowed as snow, I'll hear once more them out church bells o' Kirkby overblow. Mony a neat and mornin' I've heard yon church bells peal, 
and how I've threpped and cursed them when I was strong and weal. Gert, Skelpin, Chunter and Tastrels, all janglin' in a row. Hi, mony a time I've cursed yon bells o' Kirkby overblow. When you hear yon church bells ringin', you can't enjoy your sin. Tea bells clutches at your heartstrings, it alehouse hour your gin. At pitch and toss your lichen, down their it wood below, and then you damn them rowpy bells o' Kirkby overblow. And when I've set off poachin' at back end o' the year, why ferret, bag and snickle, church bells have catched my ear. Thou's tackin' tea road to hell, lad, we're tea pitfires bumin' slow. That's what yon bells kept shoutin' out at Kirkby overblow. But now I'm out in bed fast, I almost like their sound, ringin' so clear I tea starlit across the frozen ground. I never mell on parsons, there ain't a prayer I know, but prayer and sermons I yon bells o' Kirkby overblow. Six boards o' good stout ellum is what I'll want to mourn, then lay me low I tea churchyard aneath tea out crooked thorn. I'll have no funeral service when I'm brought down below, but let em tousle bells like mad at Kirkby overblow. I don't know where I'm bound for, it hardlands can be heaven. I've sinned more sins nor most men twixt one and seven seven. But this I'll tack my oath on, wherever I mun go, I'll hark to tea echoes o' yon bells o' Kirkby overblow. The Gardener and the Robin. Why? Bobby, so thou's cum Jean. I'm fain to see thee here. It's lang sin I've set in on thee. It's almost half a year. What's that thou says? Thou's tain a wife and raised a family. It seems thou's Jean am all the slip now back ends drawn nigh. I mun forty thee. We're out friends, and fractions not for us. Blackbirds and spinks I can't abide. At doves and crows I cuss. But thou known steal my strawberries, or nip my buds o' plum. Most featherfowl I drive away, but thou can allus coom. Ay, that's thy place, at top o' tea clod, thy head cocked o' one side, looking as far learned as a judge. Is that a worm thou spied? By tea megs. He's well nigh six inch lang, and read as tea gate i tea park. If thou don't mesh him up a bit, he'll gie thee belly work. My missus allus lets me know unknown so dup thin. If I ate sausages as thou eats worms, I'd bruised my skin. Howd on. Leave some for tea mouterwarps that scrats down under tea grunt. Of worms, and mocks, and bumble clocks thou set in half a pund. So now thou clear thy pipes and sing, grace after meat, I suppose. Thou looks as holy as tea out saint I church why tea brocken nose. Thou's plannin' marlocks all the time, down at thy saudier coat and what we tack for him's o' praise is just thy fraction note. I've seen thee fade in there on tea lawn, beneath yon laurel tree. Thy neb was reed why blood, thou looked as chuffy as could be. Thou's got no mens nor morals, Bob, but will I know thy charm. Ay, thou can stand upon my spade. I'll never do thee harm. Lyle Dode. The Lord's been hard on me, sir, he's stown my barn away. O oh, Dowley, Dowley was that neat he stole Lyle Dode away. Twas Whistentide we wedded, next Easter he was born, just as tea last star I tea April sky had faded into tea morn. Throstles were singing, canty, for they their young I tea nest, but birds don't know a mother's love that howds her barn to tea breast. When work was our I summer, I nest him on my knees, and Mike brought home my lozen time wild rasps and strawberries. We used to sit on tea dorsal I tea leet o tea harvest moon while our lyle dode would clench his fists and suck his toes and croon. But when tea melchief was gotten, and back in days set in, why frost that neat and roke by day, 
his face gate pinched and thin. We neither knew what ailed him. He faded like a floor. He faded same as skies'll fade when tea sun dips into tea more. Church bells on Kurzma's morn and rang out so merrily. But cowed and dreesome were our hearts. We knew Lyle Dode must e. He lay so still in his cradle, and slowly he dwined away, while I laid two pennies on his e'en on holy innocence day. The Lord's been hard on me, sir, he stowned my barn away. Oh, Dowley, Dowley was that need he stole Lyle Dode away. His last sail. Tea water is blue I tea often, and blue is tea sky aboon. Swallows are set in so hard, and wan in his tea harvest moon. Our lang I been cowering idle I my nook by tea fireside. I'll away yance mare I my cobble. I'll away white tea ebon tide. Nay, grand sir, though mont gone sailin', though mon bide at yam to neat. At eighty two though sun think o tea would be fishin' fleet. North cones up on tea flagstaff, there's a capful o wind I tea bay. Tea waves wap loud on tea harbor bar, though can hardlands fish today. It's leansome here I tea who's, lass, when tea fisher folks at sea, watchin' yon Eldon said I tea fire bleeze up, dwine dune, and dee. And tea seagulls they coom flyin' abun our red roof tiles. They call me dune the chimney, and laugh at other whiles. There's mackerel o tea at sea, lad, is what I hear em say. There's silver scales a glestern breet, look o tea across the bay. But mackerel's not for thee, lad, for those hour weak to sail. My e'en why saw tears daggle when I hear their mockin' tale. Deen't mind their offish screekin', they tice folk to their death. Then ride aboon yon billows and glur at them beneath. They glur at inless corpses slow drift and why the tide, deep dune among the weedy rack, weir tea scaly fishes glide. I'd fain lig why my kinsfolk, for elders, brothers, sons, weir tea starfish shine like twinklin' leets, and tea springtide water runs. Tea kirkyard's good for farm folk, that pull and milk their kai, but I could sleep may suddenly weir tea ships gone sailin' by. Tea grave is wished and falsum, but clean is tea sought seabed, though can hark to tea billows dancin' to tea too no tea tide o'erhead. Yon reeds o' floors I tea kirkyard shone wither and fade away, but tea sea tang reeds round a drun man's head will bide while judgment day. Essay fettle my out blue cobble, I kessened her. Morning star. An isle away through tea often weir tea skulls o' mackerel are. Though can look for my boat I tea harbor, when those said thy morning psalm, meb I'll fill my fish creel full, meb I'll neen kum yam. One year older. One year outer, one year dearer, that's what I sell all us say. Draw thy chair a little nearer, put yon stockings raid away. Thou hast done enough I thy time, to thy tea house and route at loom, just for once thou mun sit idle. Feed on tea stone, fingers tomb. One year outer, one year dearer. So I promised when we Wednesday then Nain were glestrin clearer nor the stars abun us spread. If they're dimmer now, they're tenderer, and yon wrinkles on thy face tell a lesson true as tea Bible, speak O charity and grace. One year outer, one year dearer, we've supped sorrow, tasted joy, but our love has grown sincere, gathered strength now it can destroy. Love is like an oak I tea forest. Ivory year it adds a ring. Love is like yon Ivan tendrils. Ivory day they closer cling. One year outer, one year dearer. Time's the shuttle, life's the yarn. Have thy crosses seemed severer cause thou neither had a barn? Meb I said not have loved thee half so weal. If I mud share all our secret thoughts white childer, twining round my out armchair. One year outer, one year dearer. Tis our gowd and wedding day.
There's Sal Kung no gomless fleerer to break in upon our play. Look, I've stagged W.R. door and window let me lap thee on my arms. Hush to neat be ivory murmur, while my kiss thy pale face warms. The Hungry Forties Thou wants my vote, young man whitey carpet bags, we'll sit thee down and hark what I've to say. It's known so very off W.R. kitchen flags are mucked by real live lords down yellin' way. I've read thy spake's IT paper of a neat, thou lets a vast o' words flow off thy tongue. Thou's gotten facts and figures, plain as tea leet, and arguments to slocken out and young. But what a facts and figures side o' truths we've bout white childed tears and brocken lives. And what are arguments o' cockered used to set a genian groans o' caitiff wives? Twere hungry forties, when I were a lad, and Fawkes were clemmed, and weak IT airman brain. We lived on de McToddy's, bread gone sad, and wackened up o' neat's cruddled wide pain. When tea cordon loaf were raised to one and four, we'd water brews, Swedes down out o' tea field. Farmers were tea landlords' jackals, and us poor tood in Egyptian bondage unrepealed. I mind them times when lads marched down our street why penny loaves on pikes all steeped I blew it. It's bread or blew it, they cried. We've now to eat, to hell why all that taxes tea people's food. There was a papist duke that come alling why curry powders, and he telled our boss that when Falk's bellies felt pinations ting, for bread, yon stinkin' powders they mun sauce. I went to work when I were eight year out. I tended galloways and sammed up coils. Twere warm I tea pit, a bun tea were depert cowed, and clothes were nobbit spetches, darns and hoils. Through six to eight I worked, then two mile walk across yon sumpy fields to tea kitchen door. I've often fainted, face as white as chalk, then fallen lang length upon W.R. cobble floor. My mother addled seven and six a week, slovin all tea day at Akrod's Wavenshed, faither at tea grunstone route, while he fell sick, steal fillin's gate and tull his lungs, he said. I come thee then no thank for all thy spakes, thou might as well have spared tea and thy pains. I see no call to lake at ducks and drakes why tea bitter truth that's burnt in tull our brains. Corn laws be damned, said Dad I-48. Corn laws be damned, say I-195. Tariff reform, choose, how, will have to wait down yellin' way, so lang as I'm alive. If thou and nine sud tax us workers' food, and thrust us back in our out misery, may tea tears o' our dead shieldeth in thy blood, and tea curse o' tea, hungry forties, lead on thee. The flowers of Knaresborough Forest. But now they are moaning, on Ilka Green loaning the flowers of the forest are a weed away. Jane Elliot, 1727-1805. Oh, daytime is weary, and dark o' oh, dust dreary for tea lasses I tea mistel, or rack an hour tea hay, when tea kai coom for strip in, or tea youse for their clip in, we think on our Saudiers now gone read away. The courtin' gates idle, Nay lad flings his bridle our tiak stoop, and sleely coombs seeking his may. The trod by the river is green as a sliver, for the flowers o' the forest have all stown away. At Marty Moss Hirons, nay ribbons, nay tyrons, when tea godspenny's addled, and tea times coom for play, nay cheapjacks, nay dancin', why tea teamster clogs prancin', the flowers o' the forest are all flown away. When a neat church is losin', and tea out ullet is rousin' his cell I are lie the weir he slumbered all tea day, weighs tea heart. But we misses our lads' softest kisses, now the flowers o' oh, the forest are gone read away. Pull lads' fray panel have crossed o'er the channel, 
Shipwards Frey Fuston have tain the king's pay. Thackray's Frey Daka have sold ivory acre. Thal fine Nera Delver Frey have red to bray. When T North wind is howlin', and T West wind is yowlin', it's for T farm lads at sea that us lasses mun pray. Tassie will owe T new biggin, keepin' watch I his riggin, loud jock I his foc sally, torpedoed I T bay. Moni alas now is weepin' for her marrow that's sleepin', why nay beeld for his corp but the cowed flanthers clay. He'll ne'er lift his limmers, he'll ne'er wean his jimmers. Aye, there's flowers o' the forest are withered away. The miller by the shore and east coast shanty. The miller by the shore am I, a man o' de pert sense. I've foughty different sorts o' ways o' adlin' honest pence. Good wheat and what's and barleycorns my mill grinds all tea day lang. Fray fave o' tea morn while seven o' tea neat my days are vera thrang. I mill a bit, I till a bit, I de all max o' jobs. Fray followin' plus and hollowin' coos to mend in chairs and squabs. Oh, folks they laugh and gurn at me, I never tack it ill. If I's the jack o' ivory trade, they all bring grist to tea mill. I tend my hundred yakker farm, and milk my kylo kai. I've Lincoln Yous and Lester Tups and twenty head o' why. I've Sturks to tack to Scarborough Mart, I've mirrors for farmers' gigs, and oh, I wish that you could see my lotto sukin pigs. I mill a bit. When summer days grows lang and breet, O oh, tecums my. Noah's arks. We are city folk undress their zells and don my bath and socks. And when they get on land, Aegean, I rub em smooth as silk, then bring em oti, to fill their weems, my park and seeks and milk. I mill a bit. I pike stray timmer on the shore, and cubans on the scar. I know we are crabs, ell hugger up, I know we are tea lobsters are. I've cobbles fish in OTIT Bay, for whitings, dabs and cods, I've heron trawls and salmon nets, I've hooks and lines and rods. I mill a bit. On dark some neats, back end OT year, I like another sport. I roam my boat weir to lugger lies, coom fray some foreign port, a guinea in a coast guard's poke will mack him steck his een, so he says now when I coom yam why sent and saccharin. I mill a bit. The bride's homecoming. Though mun hot on tight, my darlin', we've mony a beck to cross. Twixt thy father's who's and mine, love, there's a vast o' slacks and moss. But T.A.W.D. mare, she weent wemmel though there's twee on her back astride. Shoe says prud as me, is snowball, no eyes fetchin' him my bride. A weddin', a woo, a clog in a shoe, a pot full o' porridge, away we go. Gal. But I feel essay leetsome, sin I've lived to see this day. My heart is like a blackbod's after a shore I may. I.T. Sky abun N.A. Lyrock has S.A.E. Michigan read to sing as I have. No, I've wedded T. Lao Lasso, Fulsa I.N.G. A weddin', a woo, a clog in a shoe, a pot full o' porridge. Away we go. Does Ty hear yon water bubblin', deep do nigh T. Merlin streams? It sounds like childer voices when their Logan I their dreams. And look at yon langtailed pyats, their S. 3 on M. Alofid. Folks say that three's for a wedding, I, a pyat's a canny bod. A wedding, a woo, a clog in a shoe, a pot full o' porridge, away we go. I love to feel thee clinging why thy hands are in my breast, thy bosom's leetly heaven, like a ship on tea salt waves crest. And thy breath is sweet as tea breezes, that cooms our tea southern hills, when tea violet blaws I tea springtime why tea yellow daffodils. A wedding, a woo, a clog in a shoe, a pot full o' porridge, away we go. Is ty getting tired, my honey, 
will be he my half an hour, though see our who's in Stadgarth, why tea beer trees been an hour. There's a little o I are chammer to welcome my veely bride, and Sean will be their orsels, lass, ligin cozy side by side. A wedding, a woo, a clog and a shoe, a pot full o' porridge, away we go. The artist. Langhaired gauvies coom my way, drawin tea out abbey and brig, all their crack is o' art stadies and pictures and paints, want to put me on their canvas, down on my farmer's rig, tell me I'm paired o' tea scenery, stained glass windies and saints. I reckon I'm artist in all, though I never gave it a thout. Breeder o' stock is my trade. Mike pullin' o' tea abbey close. What sort of farmer want why pictures that brass has bout? All his art is I tea mizdal, we're tea heifers are ranged I rose. Look at yon pedigree bull, why an eye as breed as a star, and a coat that shines like velvet, when it catches tea glent o' tea sun. Hark to him beelin' for tea cows, why a voice like tea thunder on tea scar. Watch them sin his IT neck, rippling why mischief and fun. Three generations o' men have lived their lives for yon bull, two that his keep all tea day, dreamed o' his sleekness all tea neat, molded the bug o' his buttocks, fashioned the breadth o' his skull, ivory one on em artists, sculptors o' butchers meet. What are your Rubens and Van Dyke's anent the craft that is breed? Anent the art that is life, what's figures o' bronze or stone? Us farmers ll mold you models, better nor stat eyes that's dead, strength that is wick i the flesh, beauty that's bred i the bone. Bailiff's daughter at T. Hollands, shoes breed, and shoes life, and shoes art, bred fray a Westmoreland statesman out o a craven lass, carries hers and like a queen when she drives to market i t cart, known o yon scrawmy legged painter's sal e ver get hout o her brass. Pictures is rate enough for folks cluttered up i leads. Fowks that have ne'er handled beasts, can't tell a tup fray yo, but the art for coon try lads is the art that breeds and feeds, and tea finest gallery IT world is a Yorkshire cattle show. Mara to Bonnie. What would you do why a doter? Pray why her, bencil her, flout her, say, what would you do why a daughter that's Mara to Bonnie hisin? I prayed why her first, of a Sunday, when chapel was loosened for tea neat and I laid all her cock aloft Marlock's forth Almighty's mercy seat. When I looked for her tears o' repentance, I jealous that I saw her laugh, and she said that tea powers o' justice would scatter my words like chaff. Then I bensilled her heart in her chammer, as I bensils out netty i tea cart. If prayers will enteach thee, my dolly, happen whipstock will mack thy tears start. But she stood there as chuff as a moment, not one chundrin word did she say. But she hoped that tea blood o' tea martyrs would weighish all my sins away. Then I thought Meb Flouten will mend her, so I watched while she came out o' tea mill, and afore all yon wike lads and lasses I fleered at her raid up our hill. She winced when she heard all their gurnin, then she whispered, a sob by her throat. I reckon I'll known think o' weddin' while women are given their vote. What would you do why a doter? Pray why her, bensel her, flout her. Say, what would you do why a daughter that's Mara to Bonnie Hizen? Mary Mecca. Mary Mecca, Mary Mecca, I'm fain to see thee here, a Devon last to fill my glass o' home-brewed Yorkshire beer. I allus said that foreigners sudden Ivermel on me, but see a viewly face as thine eye travel far to see. Mary Mecca, Mary Mecca, I'm sad to see thee here, we're tea wind blaws hask fray Norway it springtime o' the year. I'd leave her find thee sitting. Why a bowl o' cruds and cream, we're tea foxglove bells ring through the dells, anent a Dartmoor stream. 
Mary Mecca, Mary Mecca, the way thou snods thy hair, it makes my heart go dancin' like when the straws I tear. air. One need I heard thee singin', as I came home fray tune, twas sweet as curlew's mac in love agein' a risin' moon. Mary Mecca, Mary Mecca, I dream o' thy grayin', I think on all I've wasted, and what I might hae been. I'm now but muck off tea midden, so all I ax is this, just blow the froth from off my yawl, twill seem most like a kiss. The local preacher. Ay, I'm a ranter, so at least folks say. Happen they tell tea same tale o' tea Apostle Paul. I've ranted fifty year, cum first o' May, and neither changed my gospel through em all. There's not like tea blood o' tea lamb and tea fire o' hell to bring a hardened taste to his knees. If folks want more nor that, then thou can tell em straight, I've got no cure for their disease. I will enthold this new theology that blends up hell why heaven, sinners why saints for black was black when I turned methody, and white was white, I souls as will as paints. That's allus tea warp and tea weft o' my discourse, and allus will be, lang as I can teach. If folks won't hearken tell it then, of course, they go to church and hear tea out parson preach. His sermons like his bocce, sweet and mild, folks almost half asleep at tea second word. By tea mass. Their wickers lops, I, man and child, when I stand up and wrestle why the Lord. Nay, I'm not blamin' parson, I'll want, preachin's his trade, same way as millin's mine. I trade you've got to G.I. folks what they want, and that is mostly sockum meshreet fine. Tax squire there, he don't want no talk o' hell, he likes to hark to tea parable o' tea tears. He reckons church is wheat that's good to sell, but chapels nobbit kexes, thorns, and breers. Squires lasses, they can't do white tea blood o' tea lamb, they're all for tea blood o' tea foxes, like our Bob. The Lord Hisson will have to save or damn church folks without me melon on his job. But Giaimi Chapel lasses gone astray, or lads that coombs home druffin of a neat, and I'll raise cane afore I go away, if I don't G.I.M.T. glent O.T. gospel leet. I'll mac em sit on tea penitential stools, and roar as loud as tea buzzer down at tea mill. I'll mac em own that they've been to fools, why all their pride o' life a bitter pill. I've money texts, but all to one point keep, same as all tea becks flow down to one sought sea, damnation and salvation, goats and sheep, that's tea Bible gospel that thou'll get through me. The courting gate. There's dew upon the meadows, and bats are wheeling high, the sun has set an hour sin, and evening leads I tea sky. Swallows I tea thack are sleeping, neat hawks are swift on tea wing, and gray moths gathers honey among the purple ling. O cum and meet me, Mally, O cum and greet me, Mally, meet me, greet me, at the court and gate. The fire leap casts thy shadow hour thwart the kitchen wall, it's dancing up and dune, lass, my heart does dance and all. Three times I've jean your love call to bring my bird to tea nest. When wilt a coom, my throstle, and shelter on my breast? O coom and meet me, Mally, O coom and greet me, Mally, meet me, greet me, at the court and gate. I've rowed all tea day at tea harvest, but ivory hour seemed sweet, a-cause I thought I'd hod thee clasped I my arms to neat. Black Bess she raked aside me and looked at me and smiled. I told her I loved Mally, it made her dipped wild. O coom and meet me, Mally, O coom and greet me, Mally, meet me, greet me, at the court and gate. Thy shadow's gone fray tea kitchen, tea whose door is a peen wide. It's she, my viewly Mally, the lass I'll mac my bride. White lilies in her garden, fling o' to your scent I tear, 
and mingle breath white roses I've gathered for her hair. Oh, let me haud thee, Mally, oh, let me faud thee, Mally, haud thee, faud thee, at the court and gate. Field fairs. Field fairs, bonny field fairs, feedin' mang the bent, we're the sun is shurning through yon clouds wide rent. Welcome back to Timurlands, fray Norway's fells and shorelands, welcome back to Wardell, now October's almost spent. Noisy, chackin' field fairs, will I kin your cry, when I flocks your sweepin' hour the hills essay high, oft on trees you gathers, preenin' out your feathers, and I'm fain to see your coats as blue as tea summer sky. Curlews, larks and tuits, all have gone fray tea moors, frost has nipped I tea garden all my bonny floors. Roses, lilies, pansies, stocks and yellow tansies fade away, and soon the leaves LL clutter do nigh shores. Here I bed I'm liggin, liggin day by day hay cart wemled hour, and underneath I lay. I was now but seven, soon I'll be eleven, Fower times have I seen you field fares coom and flee away. You'll be gone when tea swallow bigs his nest alone. April winds ll blow you far our tea sought sea foam. You'll not wait while May time, summer dews and hay time. Lang afore our jurors is mon your mates ll call you home. Field fares, Lilton field fares, you'll known sing to me. Why said you bide silent while you've crossed the sea? Are you broken hearted since fray home you've parted? Leave in far fray Yorkshire moors your nests I tea tall for tree? Stormcock sings at New Year. Swinging on yon ash, sings his loudest song when tea winds do beat and lash. Robins, throstles follow, and when coombs the swallow, all the birds ll churm to see our woodlands green and nesh. Field fares, bonny field fares, I'll be gone for you. I'm essay weak and dally, hands are thin and blue. Pain is growing stranger, as the neats get langer. Will you miss my face at whiles, when tea out years change to tea new? A song of the Yorkshire Dales. A song I sing o tea Yorkshire dales, that wind fray tea moors to tea sea, fray tea breast o tea fells, weir tea cloud rack sails, their becks flow merrily. Their banks are breet wy moss and broom, and sweet is tea scent o tea time, you can hark to tea be soft, dreamy some i tea foxglove bells and tea lime. Oh, swaddles good for horses, and once the dill for cheese, and ere dill falk are busy as a bee. But wheresoe I wander, my out heart I grows fonder o' wardo, we're all lig me down in dee. Reap bonny are our dales I march, when tea curlers tack to tea moors, there's ruddy buds on ivory larch, primroses down their floors. But bonnier yet when tea august sun leats up yon plats o' ling, and girt white fishes lope and scun, we're tea wears our tea water hang. Oh, swaddles good, by ivory beck and abbey sleeps, and tea ullet is tea out prior. A jack doth rough each windy peeps, and bigs his nest I tea choir. In ivory dale a castle stands, sing, Clifford, Percy, Scrope, they thrept among their zells for tea lands, but fout for tea king or tea pope. Oh, swaddles good, oh, eastward ho, is tea song o oh, tea gales, as they sweep our fell and leah, and eastward ho, is tea song o oh, tea dales, that went fray tea moors to tea sea. Coom winter frost, Coom summer druft, their waters mun not bide, and tea rain nats fallen when bold winds suft sal e ver seawits glide. Oh, swaddle es good, the flower of Wensleydale. She leaned o'er her lattice casement, the flower of Wensleydale. Twas esti Agnes Eve at midnight through the mist the stars burnt pale. In her hand she held twelve sage leaves, plucked in her garden at noon, 
and over them she had whispered thrice the spell of a mystic rune. For many had come a wing the maid with the slow blue eyes. Fain would she learn of Esti Agnes to whom should fall the prize. They said she must drop a sage leaf at each stroke of the midnight hour. Then should the knight of her father's choice obey the summons of her voice, and appear neath her aureoled bower. To the holy virgin martyr she lifted her hands in prayer. Then she watched the rooks that perched asleep in the chestnut branches bare. At last on the frosty silence there rang out the midnight chime, and the hills gave back in echoes the knell of the dying time. She held her breath as she counted the beats of the chapel bell. At every stroke of the hammer a sage leaf fluttered and fell, slowly fluttered and fell. Her heart stood still a moment, as the last leaf touched the ground, and her hand went swift to her maiden breast, for she heard a far-off sound. Twas the sound of a horseman spurring his steed through the woodland glade, and ever the sound drew nearer, and the footfalls echoed clearer, till before her bower they stayed. She strained her eyes to discover, by the light of a ghostly moon, who as the night had heard and obeyed the hest of the mystic rune. But naught could she see from her casement, save a man on a coal-black steed, for his mantle was muffled about him, his blazon she could not read. She crossed herself and she whispered, her voice was faint but clear, Oh, who art thou that darest ride through the aspen glade by the river's side, my chamber window near? Say, art thou the lord of Bainbridge, or Gervis of Bolton Hall, that comest so late on Esti Agnes Eve within my manor wall? I am not the lord of Bainbridge, nor Gervis of Bolton Hall, but I marked the light in thy casement, and I saw the sage leaves fall, flutter a while and fall. Camest thou over the moorlands, or camest thou through the dale? Speak no guile to a witless maid, but tell me a soothfast tale. I came not over the moorlands, nor along the dale did ride, but thou seest thy plighted lover that has come to claim his bride. Say, art thou knight or yeoman? of noble or simple birth. Fain would I know thy lineage, thy prowess, and thy worth. Nor knight nor lowly yeoman, but a mighty king am I. Bold vassals do my bidding, and on mine errands high. They come to court and castle, they climb the palace stairs. Nor pope nor king may entrance bar to him my livery wears. But why should a king so mighty pay court to a simple maid? My father's a knight of low degree, no princely realm he holds in fee. No proud foot damsels wait on me, thy steps have surely strayed. No step of mine hath wandered from the goal of my desires. Tis on thee my hopes are centered, tis to thee my heart aspires. I love thee for thy beauty, I love thee for thy grace, I love thee for the dancing lights that gleam in thy moonlit face, and these I deem a peerless dower to win a king's embrace. One boon, O royal lover, I ask on Esti Agnes day. I fain would gaze on thy visage fair air with thee I steal away. Unmuffle thou the mantle that hides thee like a pall, and let the purple trappings from off thy shoulders fall. Slowly he loosed the mantle, and showed his face beneath. The lights went out in the maiden's eyes. One swooning word she breathed to the skies, the gaunt hills echoed. Death. <laughs>